Yes, sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet jazz. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we all ride. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Hey, Jason, how are you? Pretty good, man. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right on my end. Can you hear me okay? I can. You sound further away. Okay, I got it. I am forgetting no, 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 that I, I'm using the mic. No, I meant literally. Like, like okay, that's actually literally why I was asking you because I uh, didn't know if me being far away would actually would it be evident through the signal. No, I uh, legit hear you loud and clear. I was just making. <laughs> I was just referencing the physical distance between us now. Yeah, yeah. So for the listeners, I'm sitting in a hotel room in Singapore. So me and Ryan have even more distance than when we started this, going from Toronto to San Francisco. But um, but yeah, man, I'm you, I'm good. Are you in the been, Bay? Are you in the Bay Area of Singapore? <laughs> um, I can see the water from the distance okay. from my window, but the, so it's the, an so island. The, the title still island. works then. It, it still does work, yeah. But yeah. it's a bit like the L.A. Lakers. Like, no matter where I go, I could go to the Sahara Desert. We'll keep the same title. It's like the Lakers still kept their name, even though there's no lakes in L.A. It's true, and there's no jazz in Utah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and there's no Raptors in Toronto either. Mm-hmm. And, That's awesome. Um, so safe, yeah, no, safe, it's good. good to, it safe travels. Good Everything went well? It was, it was definitely an adventure. The, the the flight itself was okay. It was quite empty. Was, I had empty seats in front of me, behind me, beside me, both flights, because I had to take two flights from... I went to San Francisco to Tokyo to Singapore. It's So once you get on the plane, then you're okay. It's more the getting on part. There's all these different rules that have been popping up country by country, and like the airlines are trying to keep track. So it actually took me... A bit of effort and a couple of tries to get onto an airplane to begin with, just because I didn't have all my documentation in order. And and in the second instance, the airline was trying to sort out what the new requirements were because those rules change day by day. So, um, yeah, if you're flying or you know anyone that's flying, just have some screenshots, have some papers, just so that they know the process because stuff changes and sometimes even the airlines don't fully know what's supposed to happen. Yes. Yeah. It's no, it's... Tough, uh, yeah. it's- Great to uh, hear your voice again. Yeah, I we when we traveled to Europe, we did exactly that. We took zero chances. I put oh. um, any type of whatever verbal confirmation I may have gotten from one travel agent. I just made sure. Can you put that in writing? I'll mm. you know make you know I'll, I'll make uh, paper copies. I'll take screenshots exactly because depending on who you talk to. Uh, you know, they just might put you right on blast right there and then there. And, you know, you really have to be like, well, this is not what was said. This is what I have. Oh, okay. Um, and then because this is, you know, this is uncharted territory for, for a lot of people, even the, the, um, the travel industry. So, um, you know, they might not even be fully aware at times. It's hard to keep track because you gotta, for all the passengers that are coming in, you have to have. Uh, at hand to know what the rules are for the destination country as they apply to whether or not the person traveling is a national or a non-resident and then also like if they're non-resident what a, what kind of exception status might they have and also the rules might even be different based on where they're flying from so that's a lot to keep track of so they had their like whole binders full of paper out that they were looking through mm-hmm. uh, i do not envy that job uh, but no. the airlines i flew ana airlines that was really great uh, all in Nippon what, Airways. Uh, it's, it's a oh, Japanese okay. airline. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> so I get to the to the gate, and it's I've flown this gate before. Um, it's really the far end of the hallway. So you go down the escalator late at night. So it's pretty much an empty airport, and they had a table full of water and chocolate and this bread. And so they had counter people just offering just, you know, just to make you feel comfortable while you're waiting for the airline. And then on the wall, they had these balloons saying like, welcome, like to the flight or whatever, like it was decoration. And before they started boarding, this guy 
first gave a big speech in Japanese, and then he gave another speech in English, just saying, "Hey, thank you for supporting the airline. This is, we just started flying this route on whatever date was earlier in the year, and then the pandemic happened, and so we've been trying everything we can." Anyway, it was a very just rousing speech. So he had the attention of the room. I don't know if it was a thing that's just sort of done normally because it. I got the impression that some of the other passengers who appear, I believe were Japanese seemed pretty comfortable like they knew like they'd seen this before and so they all stood like well some of them stood up he got a he got a round of applause after he gave his his two speeches so that, that was just uh you know a little bit of a motivational feeling going onto an air onto an airplane after mm-hmm. that's incredible the there's there's some there's some people i've i have no comparison but you know my wife's flown like you know emirates and klm and you know some nice airlines and you know, for people like me who have flown like Southwest and Air Transat, it's just you know you you hear about you see them commercials, you you hear about people traveling. You know, it's not even luxurious. It's just it's just a better. You know, it's it's just it's just more of an upgrade. You know, it's it's just you know there there's mm. there's better ways to fly, and if all you've been exposed to is you know, um, <laughs> Expedia flights, you know, connecting it, you, you'll Delta never, you, yeah. yeah, exactly. You'll, you'll never quite, um, you'll never quite see this stuff. So as you describing this to me, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like your, it's like your Elon Musk special yeah. guest, you know, aboard his, <laughs> uh, challenger, where the hell he's naming his flights these days. I, I can't even like imagine it, you know, it's, um, uh, it's, it's there incredible. Was- I actually just watched a speech he gave, or not, sorry, an interview he did with the Wall Street Journal. And he made a comment about, I don't think we need to necessarily have these most innovative products. It doesn't have to be revolutionary. Sometimes if you're just running a business and you have a product or a service, how do I make it awesome for my customer? Is it as awesome as it can be? Ask myself that question. If it's not, then what can I do? And just be tough about it. And that's all it is. It's not It's not new. I don't have to do anything too crazy. And I, and I thought about the airline experience where i'm like yeah it's not like it's a revolutionary idea to give a speech and put out some water and chocolate on a table before the flight it's just that extra question whoever's in charge of that's like hmm we have people waiting they're not they're flying because they have to not because they want to in this time of like in a pandemic and how do we and we're making them jump through some extra hoops to fly how do we make them feel just a little more comfortable and maybe it's just like spend a little bit on some chocolates that uh we just put it out there and um yeah it's just that extra touch and so i thought of his speech that way yeah yeah i think yeah. everyone's got their you know for me having worked part time um in hotels as long as i have like over okay. 10 years it's i joke about it right? i said if i ever you know struck it big or became a millionaire that's the first thing i would do is is literally open a hotel because for all those years that i worked in hotels and you know i had all these managers that i reported to who took um, hospitality and they worked on cruise ships and they worked at, Oh, I worked at the, uh, Delta and Abu Dhabi. And, uh, and I couldn't believe how wrong they were with just the littlest things. And it's, oh. it would just, it just, and I always thought myself kind of like what you just said, just, you know, how can we do things better? You're not, you're right. You're not inventing the wheel, but I just couldn't believe all these blind spots that these people who had worked in hospitality for so long, had and it's it's always kind of been like my um yeah i don't don't know what millionaires do to spite people you know they they (laughs) like 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 walter white bought that car wash to stick it to that guy they used to i would literally just buy i would literally just buy every hotel i ever worked at and keep and keep the same staff because i'm not vindictive but i'd be like this is how it should be done you know let me show you and uh that's it's kind of it just just reminded me of that right now so that's kind of my um my uh, my little dream there, if I if I ever strike it big, just <laughs> go back and live my twenties. Well, before I, before we just wrap this part up, you're reminding me of two stories. One is the story. If you have you seen the movie Crazy Rich Asians? Yes, yes, we have. Yeah, and my so, my wife's read my wife's read the entire series. Okay, yeah, okay. You know what's funny? Uh, sorry, little now tangent on the tangent. It's funny how many times when that movie comes up, there is always like. Whoever has read those books, they they really make sure to mention. Yeah, I read the books before the movie, like because it just adds that extra oh, credibility. Yeah. There's, there's that. Knowing. There's those people. Yeah. <laughs> well, this movie in particular seems to bring it out. I don't know if it's just the people that I know. I, I just thought it was kind of mm. funny. Um, but in the opening scene of the movie, Michelle Yeoh, like the mom, the grandmom, she or the mom, she um, 
she gets some bad service in that hotel in London. The so one that she's gets, about to own, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that she buys. So that's what you're making me think of right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the other one was there was a movie long ago with Michael J. Fox. I think it was uh, For Love or Money. I forget exactly, but he's a guy who oh, works in a hotel. Oh, yes. Yes. And he's like, try, he has to sort of just manage, yeah, the customer experience for a lot of people, including the super mm -hmm. rich guy who has this girlfriend. Yep. So he's like, deciding what do i do and then his whole dream is to to have his own hotel because he wants mm -hmm. to put on a great experience for everybody i i uh, forgot about that you're right yeah i forgot about that yeah it's a low-key favorite movie now that i mention it just because it's a yeah it should have gotten more play but um just i didn't even think i never thought about it in the last like 10 plus years until you just talked about your stories now um but okay, man, we haven't talked in a bit. I know we did a talk about the um, off-season transactions. We did. Mm -hmm. It was just before the Ty Lue signing for the Clippers. Um, and, like, Doc had just gone to – no, Doc had not gone to Philly. We were – because we were debating. I was raising the question. We were debating, yeah. Should, like, I was asking the question, like, should he just sit it out for a year? And you were like, you made a good point. That's what sort I've of always resonated. I'm like, when your stock is hot, you strike now. You don't wait because – you wait for all you know, you'll be waiting years and years for the next job, even though you think that it's going to be there, even though if you have credibility. But but since then, a lot has happened. And to be honest, I had to kind of like peruse to try and figure out what's going to happen just because there's been so many changes and so many events that have happened. And we haven't even, I mean, that's all besides the, the pandemic um, implications for the season. Um so, like, I guess right off the bat, the current situation with James Harden is he's requested a trade. He basically worked out with KD, and then he's like, yeah, maybe it'd be nice to be working to, to go play in Brooklyn. And he put it forward to the front office, like, I want to be traded to Brooklyn, despite he's a Supermax player, and I don't know what assets they really have. But then as a result, he's sort of been AWOL, and he's sort of just been on his own. He hasn't really reported to the team. He went to parties in Atlanta and Vegas. He now has to he now has to produce six consecutive negative COVID nineteen test results. Um, and I just yeah, do you have any thoughts on this situation? Like, do you have any opinion on how he's handling it? How the Rockets are handling it? Whether you predict any predictions where you think he's going to be there at the start of the season? Oh, and one last bit. Apparently, I just saw this just before we got on. Now that he's apparently expanded his list of requests to include Milwaukee and Miami as well. You really well, want you to just. Well, you just you just answered, you know, you just answered the question. It's that he's now had to expand this list okay. um, because I think he thought he had all this leverage, and then yeah, I'm not I'm not saying certain players don't command that kind of. I, th I think out of thirty teams, I'd say that at least like fifteen would want James Harden, but he doesn't want those fifteens. He wants to go to. He wants to go to teams that um, that are missing that player, and they just see him as a having a little too much baggage, like he's doing now. You're we're kind of seeing the kind of guy that James Harden is. You know, it's I, I think it's I think it's half pro wrestling gimmick, half um, him just you know a, his inner Dennis Rodman, and maybe that just doesn't fly too well in in 2020. Um, I think he's a redeemable guy in the sense that um, he can play with a superstar because you know, the, the situation, his, his career is basically two chapters. It's, he was like almost a fourth option in OKC. He was both selfish and he, he overplayed his hand that he had a good situation in OKC, but couldn't handle that. He was a number, wasn't a number one player when people thought he wasn't a number one player and, and clearly he, he is, but um, I, I really don't know what to say about James Harden. I mean, it's, it's gonna, it's probably going to be a miserable year. It might not be. I mean, Lionel Messi kind of won out of Barcelona and some, and you know, Kobe famously won it out of LA. I feel like these things kind of have a way of working themselves out. Yeah. It's, you know, once, once the, you know, once it's tip off and it's time to go, he, you know, he wants to score his 35 a game, right? And he's going to do everything yeah. he has to, to score his 35. Um, yeah, it just, it just, it's just, it, and, and lucky for James, there's no fans in the arena. So maybe he doesn't have to face the vitriol of, 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 <laughs> of, of, the, of his own fan base. That's a good um, point. 
but but having been to Houston a couple times, they're they're not really fickle like that. I could see like Toronto being that kind of crowd that just you know shits on him and stuff. So I honestly okay. don't know what to say about James Harden. I would like him to go. Uh, first of all, I like big trades, so I would like him to go somewhere. It would be cool to see him in Philly or um, or uh, or Brooklyn. Um, but, um, you know, we'll see, man. I mean, it's, 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 he, he definitely overplayed his hand. Um, and he, he might just have to play in Houston sucks for him, but you know. Yeah. I mean, I think with James, you know, I think, you know, I've never really been a fan of him. Um, he just seems like a guy who kind of lacks self-awareness and, and, Okay, and I'm not going to use the word soft. I don't like the word soft, but there are some guys who just seem a little more. You, you, I don't know if you're familiar with Angela Duckworth. She's the one who pioneered the whole concept of grit, and like she did whole her whole research and stuff on the idea of. She found that grit was like the the ingredient to what really made what made people stand out and succeed because people, okay. stuff's going to be tough. How well do you just grind it out and just push hard and. Guys like uh, I'm trying to think of an NBA player with that reputation. Like I guess Kobe's probably the epitome of grit. You know, this guy who's like playing with the torn, shooting free throws with the torn Achilles and his fingers falling off and stuff like that. Or Kyle Lowry, and so James just doesn't really. He doesn't. He doesn't. I, I don't. I'm not talking about playing injured, but just where someone looks like they're digging in. James just mm-hmm. sort of. He's a fair weather guy, and in some ways he'll. In some ways, you can't necessarily knock him because he's. He's enjoying his life, and it's like, if what are you on earth to do except to enjoy the rewards of the effort that you put in? And maybe being the best player in the world and the best one of the and, you, and racking up the accolades of all time is maybe that's not your priority, like for James or guys like Dwight. I do find it just I don't know. I, I think it's sort of reflecting. It's ref, it's a reflection to just of the Houston organization. I, I don't know. I, I know Daryl is an esteemed general manager. I just never looked at Houston and thought, okay, yeah, they've got this real strong organization and culture. Like you bring in all these guys and they become better. I've never really viewed Houston that way, you know? Um, I I guess, and I'll be honest, I guess um, I'm kind of going off a bit. I just, James, I just, because I've never had that much interest in him, I have not that much interest in his trade situation either in his contract situation. Kind of like it was a bit like the Dwight mare back when Dwight was trying to get out of Orlando. I just never mm-hmm. had that much. You know what? Dwight has that same kind of personality. I just don't quite enjoy those kinds of guys. And as a result, I'm just like, okay, well, wherever you're going to go, I do find it interesting that he would want to go to Milwaukee and Miami. It's like he wanted to go to Brooklyn because he's got a connection to, to these guys there. And Philly, it's because you got Daryl there. Like, there's a certain level of trust that are with these teams. Well, with Milwaukee and Miami, it's like, I mean, I guess that's kind of old school. Like, I'm just thinking, like, how many conversations has he had with Giannis or, I guess, to Jimmy, maybe, but like, it's just a bit strange to think of him in either of these teams. Or, um, or, or, or uh, Pat Riley. How would that conversation go? Yeah. Like, I mean, you're talking about just the military with the heat, right? Like, Mm-hmm. He, you talk about the stuff that Jimmy Butler got frustrated with in Minnesota and Chicago, just like lack of toughness. And I don't, I don't really look at at James as a tough guy, like uh, the guy who's going to go through all those fitness tests that they have to do with Miami and all those practices where they have to wear knee pads because they're just going to go hard and they want to, they don't go soft. So to avoid injury, they just wear knee pads. And so that's just hard to picture James doing that. Like you, like I mentioned earlier, I find it hard to picture him playing for Jeff Van Gundy. Um, so we'll see. So you got the Battle of Kentucky. You got Demarcus Cousins, John Wall in Houston. You've got Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell in Minnesota. Who's got the better Kentucky team? Better Kentucky duo. Oh, by the way, what a terrible year um, Towns has had. My goodness. Um, oh man, yeah. With this just that's, that's just heartbreaking. Um. I don't know. I is 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 Cousins in shape right now? I mean, that guy He's is recovering. Like, I think. I don't. I mean, yeah, yeah you're right. Hobbled by injuries. You got, pretty um, much it is the younger guys. Then you're right because both Wall and Cousins are both. They both tore. Man, they both suffered Achilles injuries. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy and with Cousins. I mean, yeah, wow. Cousins has. You know, I feel like Cousins last three years, the body transformations that guy has had. Uh, it's actually it's actually incredible. Actually, I actually have, you know, uh, when when he was blown up against 
playing those couple minutes, those couple games against the Raptors, you know, and, you know, he looked like a 350 pound guy. And then six weeks after the playoff ends, he's just completely shredded. Um, and I'm, I have no doubt in my mind, it's not a motivation thing. It's, it's strictly injuries. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one, man. I don't know. Yeah. I, I answered my answer. question as I was asking, I guess it has to be Townsend Russell, right? I mean, they're younger, mm-hmm. they're fresh. They were they all-stars last year. I cannot quite recall, but they're Westbrook, definitely that caliber. Westbrook. Yeah, Westbrook was an all-star. Him and him no, um, made it for me. Carl Anthony Towns and uh, oh yes. Russell. But anyway, you've got John Wall, who himself number one overall pick, formerly uh, All NBA player, I believe. A lot of pride. He's got a, he's got something to prove. Now he's coming to this team. I don't know what his relationship was with Harden, but if you're Jane, if you're John Wall, do you feel slighted? Do you feel a bit insulted by James Harden's like stance on this? Yeah, yeah, but it's the same thing when. You know, you know Vince Carter dogged when they picked Chris Bosh. I mean, oh, yeah. we're in. Um, I, I want to. Well, now that you're bringing it up, now I think that's a good time to bring up how I think fickle NBA players can be. And you know, they just released a top 100 list that, that actually the guy that I that I my my colleague um, was basically giving the four and one of all the players that were butthurt about where they slotted, you know, in the top 20 or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think John Wall has every reason to maybe feel slighted, like you said, but I think the problem with the NBA kind of diva complex that's been going on, that's, it's one thing that, that kind of does get to me is these players got to do a bit better job of no selling this stuff. Like James (laughs) Harden has nothing to do with John wall because James Harden wanted out of Houston before before John wall. Yeah. So it really has nothing to do with him. I, I suspect that I really think that, you know how um well we're, well, we're gonna get into it one day we're gonna we're gonna discuss the the alley Lakers and it's funny how when you know Kobe passed and even before that Shaq and Kobe really said like man you guys really thought we hated each other and it was never like that like that never happened that never happened um now whether they're doing revisionist history or not I it, still it, think it's, it's similar so yeah. no there's it there's is, already Already a lot of evidence that showed just how much they really did hate each other, actually. I know the, like they got over it later, but at that the time. Point, the point is, is that what we put on a pedestal on a 10 and then what John Wall and James Harden's first interaction might be um, is, you know, there's 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 distance between them. There's, there's a lot of daily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would just, again, I think, I think. Once the once the first tip off, and you're my teammate, and I'm your teammate, and you know, and even selfishly, I mean, that's that's the good thing about the NBA. It is a selfish sport. The best way for me to, if you're James Harden, the best way for me to get 35 points is to also have you score your 18 because it's going to make my road to winning another scoring title easier. So I I'm not too worried about that. I think that whatever whatever. Um, whatever misconceptions or feelings are going on now, if you are John Walt, because he does have a bit of a redemption story that he has to prove. Uh, uh, And I can see maybe you seeing James Harden, not really motivated to come in and in the end, begrudgingly, he might have to play for the Rockets. Yeah. But I think that kind of stuff goes out the door, like by game three. Also, um, Boogie Cousins, he's going to Houston, and he's got a bit of a redemption story, and it's kind of interesting. So he and John yep. Wall were former teammates, right? The Kentucky yes. days, and yep. it's a bit of an interesting. I, I I love this stuff, the social dynamic of of these guys, because Wall and Cousins have a relationship. I don't see where Harden figures, in, figures into that. Harden sort of a Wall. This is basically Wall and Cousins team for the most part at this point, and it's like. Uh, you just picture have these images in my. I just have these images in my head of Harden being like almost quasi outcast out of this place that was his house. And I'm trying to think of a of a, ter- a TV show, maybe like Ari Gold being ushered out of the agency he helped build there when he was working under Terrence oh, McEwick. Yes. So that's yeah. kind of what I'm picturing here. I mean, you're right. For the most part, these are nice storylines. But like when the when there's a tip off, these guys are they like playing basketball. They like just earning their money and to earn their money, they have to play. And I think. Um, by and large, it's no different than in an office where maybe 
when you say you don't love somebody in the office, it's like, well, it's been because you just don't really know them. And just because you work together doesn't mean you have to be friends. So it's, it's no mm -hmm. different. Um, mm -hmm. Bradley Beal, Russ, uh, Russell Westbrook, what's your view on them and their ability? Like, how do you think they work out? They seem to be like, you know, complimentary of each other, the way they're yep. talking. I think it's yep. going to be a good tandem. I think a lot better than Harden Wall. Well, for years, Washington fan base has said, you know, we like Beal and, and Wall, but something's got to give, you know, and it was tough, right? I, I guess Toronto's going through the same thing right now with um, with Fred and Kyle. Um, it's that marriage has to be broken up. It's, it, you know, just, just pull the Band-Aid already. Well, it's been ripped in this case. So I think the Washington fan base um, has something to look forward to. And again, I just... I like seeing these kind of things. It's it's one superstar for another. And I think I saw some dead spin articles and some other <laughs> clickbait bullshit. It's like, oh, both teams, you know, zero sum games with their trades. Like, yeah, motherfucker, that's kind of the deal. Like, you kind of have like, – these trades have to happen sometimes. Uh, GM's going to get on the phone. It's like my A-list trash for your A-list trash. Like, my guy who's <laughs> never won for your guy that's never won because – you know, I have season ticket holders. I have a fan base. Maybe we need new merch sold. And I'm sure the Westbrook number four jersey is already sold oh, out. <laughs> um, yeah, fair point. And, and and so, I mean, to to see the evil in some of these trades, it's it's pathetic. And I'm all, I'm a glass half full guy when it comes to this. Even if both teams um, are in the same position that they are um, a year from now. I still see it as, you know, it's exciting. Everyone starts off zero and zero and, you know, Westbrook apparently has been killing it in practice. Um, you know, and, and me personally as, as a Westbrook fan and I, you know, I kind of think he shot physically and I would love to see him just, you know, be the MVP caliber player that he was. So um, I'm super excited. And if, again, if you're a wizards bullets fan, whatever they're called themselves these days, um, yeah, this is like, why not? You you wanted this tandem to be broken up. Well, now you got now you have your tandem broken up. Are the Wizards Wizards going to the playoffs this year? Uh, they weren't even a bubble team this year, were they? Like literally nope. in the bubble, they didn't really know. near the so bubble. yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, because what John Wall was injured most of the year. Yeah, for, for, he yeah. Was. yeah. So um, he was listen, injured the whole year. It's, I believe it's it, it's. It, Again, I like this being a being a Raptors fan. I think it will be exciting seeing the Raptors and Wizards potentially battle for six, seven, eight. I can, so here's the thing. I, can, I, I agree. I think I think Russ um, is gonna bring them into a playoff. I have trouble picturing that a team with Beal and Russ do not make the top eight in the East. I do wonder who falls out of the eight. I guess it's Orlando. I guess Orlando falls out. Um, because, you know, one team goes in, some other team has to go out. Exactly. Um, but that's believable. I, I can believe that the Wiz with Russ and Beal can outperform Orlando. Um, so then, okay, going just kind of looking ahead to this to this upcoming season then, kind of like, just let's go through the East here. We made a few points and just seeing what you think. The Bucks, they got Drew Holiday now. That trade, mm -hmm. I, I can't remember if we did cover that trade in the first pod. Um I thought they really overpaid for that trade, and I don't know if Drew is really what the Bucks really needed. I thought Drew is like a really good defensive player, and yeah, okay, I guess he. I mean, he's a skilled player. I just don't know is he that much of a difference maker that is going to make the Bucks the undisputed favorite. And I don't really think so. I don't know. What do you think? Wasn't uh, I don't have a good answer for you, but what I want to I'll try and answer in the form of a question. Wasn't a lot of the Bucks move this offseason to make Giannis happy. So hey man, we're we're doing all this for you, you know. Um, and I guess he's got what another as we record this podcast, um, he has another ten days before he becomes a free agent. Or, oh no, um, um, if he, he, or he goes the... he goes in a lame duck status, right? Uh yeah, well I won't call it lame duck, but yeah, right. He has ten days to accept this extension, or he'll just have to go through the year and then then make the decision next year. So I'm wondering if these moves like a holiday is like, Hey man, we're, we're really yeah. trying here. Like we're, sure we're is, Milwaukee, yeah. like we're Milwaukee for Christ's sakes. And these are the Milwaukee moves we can make. So please stay. Um, that's, that's my opinion on these moves, whether they yeah. 
Um, whether they do, do anything, where they, I don't, like, I don't personally know. I still see their same limitations that they had last yeah. year, which is, okay. um, it's it's Giannis, it's Middleton, and I think, and when we saw what happens when when Giannis is hurt, and that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy. Hey, man, we need you healthy the entire playoff run, or we can't we can't even come close to winning without you. So that's that's tough, right? Um, then Miami, they lost Jay Crowder. They got Mo Harkless and Avery Bradley. I feel like Miami, um, there's not a lot of change there. And I think that they're going to, they're going to do well. They're really going to be at the top, top of the East because I, but the way I see it is even though they were the fifth seed, they started like, as, um, climbing up as the year went on and as the playoffs went on. And that moment, momentum is going to carry forward to this year. I think they're going to just be like a top three seed. That's how I'm viewing it. Yeah, same. And I think that their their path back to the finals, I think, depends on matchups. I mean, what if they play Philly? You know, that's. Um, I think all those yeah, teams are really. Sure. I think I think all those. I think those top four teams are really good. And I think a lot of what Miami, you know, what they did going to the finals was. I'm not going to say they had a favorable matchup, but they just they just look really good yeah. in the East. Let's talk and, about regular uh, season for the most mm-hmm, part, because you're right. Mm-hmm. When you get to the playoffs, I mean, a lot of it is matchups versus than anything, and a lot of there's so many other variables between now and then. Um, just thinking who the kind of the the top teams are going in, or like where the teams sort of shake up. Um, Boston got they picked up Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson. I think this is I think that was really good. Uh, this is a good yes. replacement for Gordon Hayward. I think that. Yeah, certainly a top four team. I think I think so. I, I I don't see them making any more waves than that they did. I see a lot of just sort of status quo there from between Boston, Miami, and Milwaukee, but um, they definitely held up the fort, and I think that was the right thing. I mean, Hayward's good, but um, yeah, like I, I don't see. I mean, he was like the fourth option behind those other guys, so I don't really know. There was there any real change there with Boston? Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. as though I, I thought there would be an opportunity when I saw Tristan Thompson um, go to the Celtics. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Thompson going to the Celtics was after Ibaka and Gasol made their moves to LA. I I don't quite recall. I think it was. I I feel like it was. It was after Surge and before Mark. I could be wrong. Okay, about that. so there was. What I was wondering if there was an opportunity to get Tristan oh, for because, Toronto to pick him up. Yeah, because he actually would have been. He's yeah, I was thinking that too. He's almost like a hybrid of those two. I mean, if you had to combine them, I mean, he's he's a good player. I, I I'm Younger. actually yeah. I feel like um you know hometown boy. I don't know what the I don't know what the uh, the temperature was there. I don't know if it was uh, Bobby Webster and Masai really cared to get this guy. I mean. I don't even know if he has any baggage. I know my wife watches that show, and I don't know if he's okay. a good dude or a bad dude. I know he did whatever he had to do before he, they gave birth to his daughter, and it's like, all right, whatever. And um, and uh, but yeah, I, I I really wonder what that like. Did we is are we gonna find is like the Atlantic gonna release an article in like six months saying yeah Toronto could have had Tristan Thompson, but like. Masai said no to that. I think that would have been uh, – I thought that would have been a good move for Toronto. I think that he's at the point in his career now because um, some young guys often don't want that pressure of playing at home right away. They – you know, they kinda, and they're young too, right? They want to, you know, travel the world and, you know, go to other parts. And maybe it was a Khloe Kardashian move. It was like, mm, yeah, you're not going to Toronto. You're going to Boston. All right, fine. There's nothing you could have done. But – uh, yeah, I thought that would have been cool if, if Toronto I, I, could have. I feel like for Tristan, okay. So, okay, first I'll say for Tristan, then for Toronto, because then we'll talk about Toronto in a second. Is for Tristan, I think it was better to go to Boston than Toronto because he's so oh, for far sure. for shown, him. Yeah, for him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because he's shown that his his real his 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 accomplishments or his attributes come out when he's playing beside these other stars who can kind of carry most of the water and then he's like kind of doing cleanup and he's being a good kind of number two number three to just sort of support these other guys mm-hmm. whereas toronto there'd be this expectation where he's basically 
like a big three. When I say no, sorry, when I say a number two, number three, I mean like a, a good helping hand kind of to to the mm-hmm. Cavs of 2016. And then now to Boston, he's going to have to support. You've got Kemba, Tatum, Brown. That's all. I'm, that's who I'm mentioning off the top. But there's a few other guys there who he's just kind of fits in as kind of a role pl- role player plus role player premium. And in yep. Toronto, they're kind of view him as kind of a big three, right? With Pascal, Fred, and and Tristan. And he's not hasn't shown that that's really his spot. So I don't know that he would really perform that well in Toronto. And as a result, it would just sort of be money down the drain. That's what that's kind of what my my view is of him in Toronto. I mean, it's always so tantalizing to think about the guys from Toronto coming back to the Raptors because we haven't had a, a mark. We had Corey Joseph, but he was more of a, mm-hmm. a two-way player who got yeah. to Toronto. We haven't had that marquee championship caliber type player yet. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're Toronto's still holding out for that one player one day who's going to come be that. Um Raptors, I don't know if there's much to say about this. I mean, they lose Mark, they lose Serge, they draft that other guy from San Diego State. I think they're headed, I feel like they're headed for the bottom four. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'll be surprised if they make the top four in the East. Oh, I'll, I, I will say right now, I'd be, so what, 72 game? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I've, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't make the playoffs, but oh, you're okay. right. They, they should, they should make the playoffs. They're, they're so. not, yeah, it's not like, the East is not stacked enough that, you know, uh, the Raptors can comfortably get in the seventh and they're not, um, and then they're well above 500. And again, there's going to be games where, you know, Siakam's just going to play really well against um, some, some really good competition. Um, but I also see games that in the East, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking of games where they're, you know, going into the fourth quarter, they're losing by 30 against like Brooklyn or something like that as well. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing a lot of those games. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. There's, there's, there's no way I, 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 I take it back. I'd be shocked if they don't make the playoffs. Um, Cause they, I think what should. you described going in the fourth quarter, we are just, it's clear that you're going to lose that game. Like, I think that that's still, as long as they're, if that's, that's can still going to happen for the teams that are six through eight or sorry, five through eight. Like I think that that's still a five through eight type of team, right? Where you're you're gonna hold your own for most of the games, but then there's still gonna be definitely a number of games where you're just getting wiped out. It's kind of like what Orlando was last year, Orlando mm-hmm. or Indiana. Mm-hmm. Or Indiana was higher seated, um, Orlando or Brooklyn because Brooklyn didn't have their star players. Yeah. The the with Brooklyn, I don't. There's not much for me to say. I think that they're going to be a number one or number two seed. I think. Yeah. Um, that's that's my my prediction, you know. I mean, it's such a polarizing thing with Brooklyn because for some reason I can't help but think that that I see shades of them just being like the 2008 Celtics, where they just start go from nothing to everything, and then they also could be like the those those Lakers with Steve Nash and Dwight Howard, where we expected them to just dominate the conference and then just couldn't even make the playoffs, or they barely made the playoffs. Like that's kind of what I'm picturing from Brooklyn, just because there's such a volatile situation with the personalities involved. Um, but um, but I would, I, I would, I would yeah, I would, I would say that if, I mean, I'm just trying to think: has Kevin, has Kevin Durant, not ever made the playoffs ever since? No, he's always since been. 2010. Always yeah, that's that's my thing with him is that there's some players that are. Just well, so lock. yeah, for playoffs, okay, but I'm, I was more. You're right, actually. Yeah, scratch what I was saying. No, no, no. I'm, 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 yeah, no, no. What I'm trying to say is, I'm trying to build off that lock. So I'm trying to think, okay. like, okay, Durant is like you know, 72 games. I'm like, that's 35 wins right there. And then to finish first, I'm just thinking of games that, you know, he. Again, if if this is this is assuming <laughs> it's funny because the last impression we have of Kevin Durant before he's getting carted off in Toronto is him just going off, and you assume that that guy is coming back on day one. It's 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 probably a terrible thing to to, to imagine. Know. I mean, you just never know, right? But I I think I think from what we're hearing of him physically, and again the stuff the the quotes that he's been saying. I mean, this guy seems really dialed in, and he's got his coach. I don't know if he has his point guard, but he has his coach. 
Um, and I just think that this guy is like, yeah, the East is mine and I have a hard time seeing him. Yeah. You're right. Not being number one, number two, and frankly, winning the East. I think, um, yeah, I think so. I think he's putting that, I think he's putting that kind of pressure on himself and he's, he's okay with that pressure, man. I mean, this guy, I mean, I, I think, I think in terms of bulletproof players out there, he's, he's one of them. He might be. He might be the guy in the NBA that's absolutely bulletproof. I've seen, I've seen LeBron. I've heard LeBron's quotes too many times. It's just that he, <laughs> he sometimes can be a little mentally weak. But everything that yeah. I always read from Kevin Durant and things that he says, this guy is, you know, he's 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 there, man. And uh, yeah, yeah, I I, I, ex- I expect big things from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that when they start, they very much have the ability to take on any team in the East, including the Bucks in Miami in a seven game series. Yeah. I really think that the, the, just the question will be health and which bodies they have there on the mm-hmm. court at the time. So mm-hmm. then I'll c- cover these two kind of middling teams quickly. Cause when we were talking about the Raptors and like, whether they fall out um, of the playoffs, the thing is, is you got to think, okay, who are the teams that are going to take their place? And okay. So Pacers, I kind of have this prediction that they're going to take a step back like Victor Oladipo is going to come back from that injury. I think he did actually in the bubbles, but there was always that talk about whether he's going to, whether he was, um, you, did you catch that article where apparently he was trying to get out of Indiana and he'd even told players like even in Toronto saying, Hey, can you get me on your team? So just these rumors like that. And just there's dissension with him and the pace organization. And I just think that. Right. But then, but then he, but then there was a quote like the next day saying that's, he denied it, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I remember. I that. just some some there's such I guess I I can't quite articulate why, but there are some instances like this where it's out of nowhere it makes me think that yeah I I can believe how that kind of stuff can can happen and mm-hmm. this Pacers team I always just feel like they've always been punching above their weight, which is a credit to them and their their fortitude over the past few years, but. I keep expecting them to just drop down either to the bottom part of the playoffs or out of the playoffs altogether, but they've done well. I just, I'll be surprised if they're, if they're any higher than like six or whatever mm-hmm. in that East. Um, so I, the only reason I mentioned Charlotte, cause they were not in the playoffs and they haven't been in the playoffs for a long time, but Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier and Lamella ball are the three names among others who are on that team. I can't help but think that, you know, <laughs> like they are dark horse just to make an eighth seed. You know, and if they are, that's if we were gonna ever make a case why a team like Toronto could just fall out of the eight playoffs, then I just feel like what team takes takes the other spot in the top eight? I just I don't know. Charlotte would be something I'd be curious about. It's just a little bit different. I still think the odds are that they don't make the playoffs and Toronto does, but um and, and the other teams do like Indiana, but it just if I just wanted to call out the dark horse of Charlotte or the East. That that'd be fun um, to watch them play. I don't even know who their head coach is. I hope they have some like. I want to uh, say it was uh, Borrego. He was the Spurs guy. Oh, he was. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. I, I would. I wish they had like whatever today's equivalent of Lenny Wilkins is that okay. a, a coach that no one respects and a guy like Lamelo Ball will just listen to his dad more than the assistant coaches <laughs> and just and just take every shot. Because that that's kind of what I want to see with this game. Just year one. Just just I, I kind of <laughs> like these I kind of like these train wreck things that go on for one year and then a player kind of gets serious after that. That would be kind okay. of that'd be kind of fun. I don't know if um, I don't know if Michael Jordan's a hands on owner or whatever his deal is. I don't know if he goes to practice and yeah but um i kind of want him out of the picture i want the coach out of the picture and just let the let the guys run the show this year man let let's you know let's have some fun in charlotte that's so funny um so going on to the west here okay lakers clear favorite right they picked up montrez hillerol marcus all they lost rondo and dwight but they picked up west matthews i mean they're just this is this, this is that moment where okay they they're like that company or like investment company that picked up some funding. They picked up maybe a few investors to begin with. They showed some performance and all of a sudden now some other people want to start jumping on board and piling money in. So that's kind of what we're seeing with some of these other vets joining like Marcus yeah. Hall. They got to be the favorite, right? For the whole, just the whole championship, right? Oh, absolutely. It's like, yeah. it's like when the NWO had like Mr. Wall Street and Big Boss Man, but they just got like Conan oh, and 
<laughs> they got like Conan and like you know Brian Adams. Like okay, the, those are two bad examples. But the point is like yeah, okay, they just but got they got better. I mean, yeah, they got Brian better. Adams. Yeah. At that time, yeah. we thought he was going to be a world champion one day, right? They just we just kept yeah. believing he was going to be a world champion. So you know, yeah, they just, they just they just got better, and it's it's hilarious because you know Rondo and and Howard were like these these projects, like they were just yeah. they were they were part of. It's it's like um it's like LeBron sometimes runs a Betty Ford clinic and he rehabilitates <laughs> these players and 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 here's the two guys that got rehabilitated like they can play more years in the end they have careers team. again they have yeah. careers again it's like you guys are cured run run free my my little ducklings <laughs> and then and now they got better players which is just um it's it's kind of scary I mean um it's I funny know. I saw. I, yeah, yeah. I, I saw like an article about um, what year was it that uh, I guess Kobe could have played with CP3, but that trade got vetoed. Twenty ten, I believe. Yeah, and yeah. it's I know you can't veto these kinds of trades, but I mean it's just hilarious, right? You have the LA Lakers that you know just marched their way. They didn't run, they didn't walk, they just marched <laughs> all the way to the NBA Finals, and then they got better and. You, it's it's like you want to veto, like no, you can't. You have to keep Rondo and Howard. Like that's that's you have to do it, right? But no, they just they just got better. It's it's incredible. I do. I don't know enough of Wes Matthews. I guess I was surprised they let Rondo go because I really thought Rondo was a pretty important part of that win. That was my that was one of my thinking. Um, but we'll do you see. think that another? Do you think another player could have done what Rondo did? Do that's Rondo my is? impression. Yeah, because that's my impression. Um, okay, if you're just talking. If you if we're talking about in a vacuum, then I then other players can shoot and pass and all that. But I think what Rondo did, he has a lot of intangibles, right? Because a lot of people talk about his IQ and the way he's playing on the court. You can kind of just see plays unfold, and everybody who's played around him keeps saying that. And in the playoffs, he always just comes up to another level. And I think that even well, LeBron's been a lot better in recent years. But I thought that having that calm hand in a playoff situation was always it's hard to find. And it's hard to find that in the guard position. And um, Rondo was like, he was pivotal. I just, I'll just say, okay. but in terms of the skills, yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe Wes Matthews can fill that in and maybe, maybe LeBron is just like, well, you know, it's okay. Like I can step up again or whatever, but yeah. And, um, and, and who knows, maybe I, yeah, I kind of see Caruso as well as being like a guy that could have a, a yeah, bigger, maybe. yeah, yeah. A bigger maybe, year. Yeah. He's Yeah. KCP's coming into his own. And then you know what mm-hmm. What the Lakers did by picking up Harrell? They made the Clippers weaker. So Montrez yeah. Harrell's gone for the Clippers. I just feel like the Clippers, they're the number two or number one seed in this last year. And I don't know. I just, for some reason, I never really fully bought them as the top dog in the West. And now with the emergence of other teams like the Nuggets, and I think Mavericks are going to take a big step up this year just because of the progression of Luka. Um, and with that, I just feel like the Clippers, you know, they'll be for sure they'll be a contender, but do they have the same mystique and aura? And maybe that's because we just saw them lose so badly in that, in that series in the second round. That's, so that's my hope as, as a, okay. <laughs> as a habitual Lakers, um, <laughs> a fan that just wants them to, you know, um, fly off the cliff. Um, yeah, I, that's what I'm hoping. That this is how you beat the Clippers. This is this is what playoff P is like. And congratulations on your max contract. But you're you're beautiful. Uh, beautiful. Excuse me. You're 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 beatable. You're beautifully okay. beatable. That's that's the hope that I have is that the you know the Lucas and the um, and the Murrays of the world see how they were eliminated and and you know can really be like yeah you're number two on paper and you might finish number two um, when it's all said and done but you remember those Mavericks teams that would like finish number one and then you know be out in the first round because people just yeah. weren't scared of them they were like congratulations you won all those regular season games well it's playoff time we're gonna play this style and we're just not yeah. afraid of you and especially for me seeing um seeing Kawhi Leonard who seemingly had you know he was like the poster child of clutch after he won with Toronto and kind of seeing him not be oh, that yeah. player um I think that I think that that resonates with with teams and they can game plan and even if even if Clippers do end up, 
you know, um, advancing further than what they did. I think that um, teams just, um, you know, being petrified of playing them, those days are done. It's like you said. Did the Clippers look better with Surge over Montrez, though? Or the same? It's just whatever. It's like they got beat bad, and it's like you said, the fear factor's gone. Therefore, it doesn't matter if Surge is part of the team. I I like Surge, and um, I'm happy for him that he's a Clipper, I suppose. It's better for um, whatever post-career he's going to do. But I... I really don't think so. Serge okay. is, um, yeah, I. It, it's funny because Serge Ibaka, as scary as he is as a player, I'm sure to go up against. Um, he's he's very, he can get very frustrated, and you know the way that team is. I'm just not convinced that that the temperament <laughs> of that team has gotten better in the offseason. <laughs> That's yeah. That's probably the you know that Clippers team that they've well that franchise has always had just a poor temperament over the last ten years and beyond that and a lot of that is probably because of Doc but um it hasn't gotten better so we'll see what Ty Lue can do I'm not it's funny it's 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 funny because you know the reason why Doc was brought into Philly was to kind of like you know take a guy like Simmons and yeah it's weird right but. Um, I don't know, man. I think I think the more I hear and read about, um, well, Leonard here in Toronto, I kind of knew a lot about. I'm like, all right, he's he's neurotic, he's quirky, but um, I had no idea. I mean, it, when we were talking offline about about Paul George, and here I thought this guy was having like the most boring life, and you send me article after article of this guy, <laughs> and then and then I'm hearing the stuff he says in the locker room, and I'm hearing the stuff, and then the whole thing with Damian Lillard. <laughs> I've, oh, yeah. I've never turned on a guy so quickly that I want <laughs> to lose than in Paul George. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, um, this is this is probably a, a bridge too far, but I'm thinking if I'm learning this about Paul George, that maybe there's a lot of other NBA players that maybe didn't know that as well. I'm sure they do. They're a tight-knit community. But, yeah, I just think guys like Luka and and Jamal and uh, and Lillard are like – you know, bring up like we like they want yeah. the Clippers. They, they like they they have that date circled in their calendar when they're playing in the, in the regular season because they want to be the guys to embarrass Paul George. And I think it's it's a bit of a mission statement, right? Because you want to embarrass this greatest defensive player of our era type of thing. This Mister Max Money and Playoff P is back and all that. I think I think teams and individual players aren't having it. So then, as you mentioned, Jamal, so then Nuggets, they lose Jeremy Grant. They lose Torrey Craig. They they didn't really see who they really picked up. I mean, I, I am, I'm cautious about them. I was hopeful that they mm-hmm. were going to really go to another level. But part of me wonders if losing those two guys was too much of a loss for a team that was really an ensemble cast. As much as we want to allow um, a Jamal Murray for his – his incredible performances. It's it, he's is it's an incredible ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. So I yeah I, I'm not as I don't know if they're really gonna go another step ahead. This feels like a step back season for them, like a minor step back season than compared to last year. That's kind of what I'm thinking. It 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 might be, and You're it's expected. Too. Yeah, yeah it, it's you have to. Um, so the way the the way the West might work is the exact same teams make the playoffs, just a different order. And maybe, maybe, maybe the nuggets are, are first round out, but you know, maybe, maybe Portland, you know, advances to the quarterfinals or something like that, or the semis or the conference finals. Like it's, you just, you just don't know the way it's going to work out, but yes, I I'm with you. I can see them taking, it's kind of like sophomore jinx now that this team's going to year two of, of their ensemble. What you just mentioned um, touches on what I was going to ask you about. Okay, so it's it's possible like you look at that West Conference and it looks like yeah, it could just be a reshuffling of the eight, but it's still that top eight. But here are the teams that we kind of wonder: are they going to have a shot at the playoffs? Because you almost think they should, right? You're talking about the Suns with CP. You're talking about the Warriors now with Wiseman, Kelly Oubre, of course, uh, Steph and Draymond. You're talking about the Pelicans with Stephen Adams, JJ Redick. Um, Big dude, why am I forgetting his name? Zion, and all the way down the line on that Pelicans roster that looks pretty star-studded, even from last year. The Grizzlies with John Morant, who looked he looked really good, and you think that mm-hmm. that guy can get his team into a playoff situation. So that's already one, two, 
three. Um, well, my, I feel like that's three teams at least that I just mentioned who, you know, you, it's hard to imagine them being outside the playoffs, but you just, I just have trouble picturing which team do I take out of the, out of the Western conference that's going to fall out so that one of those teams can go in. You know, it's so hard to imagine a Warriors team that's still out of the playoffs again. The, well, the, yeah, you know. but well, Clay's gone, right? So, um, well, okay. So if if they if the Warriors can't even make the playoffs with Clay gone, then it's feeding into what a point I made a while back: <laughs> dynasty correct, with an yeah. asterisk. I don't. Yeah, like, you can't have three All Stars, three future Hall of Famers, and then they go and win a championship, and they go, "Well, they lose one, therefore they can't make the playoffs." It's, like, okay. It's, it's pretty weird, right? I mean, I have no answer for you, only that maybe they're like a Voltron thing where only the three of them or some infinity ring that <laughs> you need the three of them to so be able to snap your fingers. So that's, I mean, that's it's always the case I made that the, yeah. the greatness of them is in the agency yeah. of others and it's Fine. them together. It's not of course. these world beaters, but even no. then, they had so many things that were going their way for them to win. Correct. That was the Correct. Point. That was the premise. Correct. They, so. It's 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 very possible that they are the greatest overachievers to ever play the game. I'm not denying that. However, it is pretty. I I don't I don't I don't like them making the playoffs. And okay. you mentioned C, you mentioned CP3. Yeah. I'm so underwhelmed by him. Um, yeah. Even his even his playoff run last year. That okay. when when I saw him the Just second wilt. year. Oh. Well, that's the thing. When I saw him the second year, it's funny because everyone's just like last year was like, oh my God, how could the Rockets get rid of CP3? I'm like, if you watch that series against the Warriors, how he was so brilliant the year before where they almost knocked him off and then just not show up the next year. Um, yeah. it's I think that was the real CP3 and good player, Hall of Famer, don't get me wrong, but... Um, and and you alluded to it as well. You you, you didn't like some some of his possessions um, oh, late in games. I and always remember those. Possessions yeah, and it's ever. it's. I think I think you remember specific things about um, CP. Whereas I'm just just kind of his whole body of work. I I've always thought of him as. Um, I guess in a lot great. of ways. I, I guess in a lot of ways, like like you know, people to this day will talk about John Stockton, and I'm like, I, I watched John Stockton, and you know, he was. Yeah, I suppose he was as great as everyone said he was, but you know he was never. You know, I, I just, I just never saw any team ever winning with him, and it's kind of the same way with with Chris Paul. So, um, yeah, I think that whoever gets Chris Paul at this point, unless he joins like a Lakers team, oh my goodness, then that's different. Then you're, you know, it's it's like we we mentioned. Okay, you lose Ray John Rondo, and you slide in Chris Paul. Um, that's that that that's a plus move right there. But if you're a if you're a team looking to get in the playoffs and Chris Paul's your big offseason acquisition, mm, uh, it's a little suspect to me. But do you think that the Suns with CP, like the Suns before CP and OKC before CP, like are they not comparable? They have arguably more raw talent on the Suns than OKC had. That CP got them into like the t- into the middle of the pack in the in the playoff picture. When I saw so last year, I when I saw. Um, when I saw OKC lose to the Rockets and when I was watching those games and I just, I was never, you know, it was never in doubt for me that series as good as CP played. Like even he would win games for OKC. I'm like, mm, it's, this guy just has to keep playing out of his mind like this. And he's not that good. In my opinion, he just, the post child for overachievement was that series. So I yeah. could be wrong. I just I just don't see it working out in, in Phoenix. Yeah, no, I, I was surprised that he wanted to go there. I, the whole thing was he left Clippers because he wanted a chance at a championship. And I guess at this point, maybe he's made peace with the fact that now it's just about playing meaningful games and getting paid. And yep. that's it. Maybe he will or will not get a championship, but he's not in the driver's seat like he would have been a few years ago, which is fine. Mm-hmm. That's probably... Mm-hmm. Probably just sort of something we do when we get older. We make peace with where we're going in our, of course. In our lives. Of course. So uh, to wrap it up, prediction for the finals. I'm got, I've got Lakers, Brooklyn in the finals. What about you? I've got the same. And I'd be um, – hmm. I'm going to say oh, yeah. Lakers because – because yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen I've seen how Lakers have played and we're just you know we have no idea how this team looks. I, I, I'm I'm just 
I just have visions of six eleven um, Kevin Durant and Steve Nash in a stupid skinny suit, like whispering <laughs> plays to him on the sideline. Like, I can't wait for that visual. I really can't. It's 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 incredible. I think I almost think this is the role that Steve Nash was born for. You know, it's like <laughs> he kind of like it's like yeah, I'm just gonna casually have a Hall of Fame career, but really I'm gonna make my mark on um, on coaching. I just see the. I just see him being money for interviews and maybe showing a side of him that we haven't quite seen before and kind of the guy that says the right thing, almost like a, almost like a coach pop, but maybe even funnier Canadian version. And um, <laughs> I, I, I really want to see this Brooklyn team just, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of cheering for them only that just, it would be a cool redemption story, but every vision I have of them making the finals it's just it's just pure fantasy. We know how the Lakers are going to make the finals, so it's it's very yeah. tough to imagine the road for Brooklyn. Yeah, no, I I mean I I I'm the same way. I think we're going to get some compelling content if both those teams go the distance. And I think that uh, there's just no beating the Lakers next year. It's just clear to me that they're just going to be just too too out, just too overpowering for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, my man. So that's great. Uh, so if you got any NBA season thoughts any predictions we'd love to hear you hear you uh any questions reach us at bayheightspod at gmail.com you can add us on bayheightspod at twitter and on instagram as well all right take care everybody take care Stick to your vision, keep the composition. Seen a lot of shame in the game. Seen a lot of pain with the fame. Seen a lot of highs and lows, but that's just the way life goes.